Welcome to the latest United We Stand podcast. My name's Andy Mitten and I'm sat outside an Algerian cafe in St Etienne, like you do. I'm with Mark Ogden, who's been a guest on the podcast previously and a popular guest, judging by the number of people who downloaded questions and downloaded the podcast. Mark is the chief football correspondent for the Independent newspaper, or is it a newspaper? We can ask Mark about this, because I invited readers of United We Stand's website to submit questions, and plenty of you did. Uh, thanks for joining us again, Mark. We last spoke in America on the pre-season. Yeah, it was San Jose, wasn't it? San yeah. Jose, San Jose, it's kind of... Uh, I've the sun, I was saying we'll do a podcast on it. There are plenty of musical references, aren't there, between St Etienne and, and, Jose, and yeah. San Jose? Well, we do know the way to St Etienne. Uh, St Etienne are a brilliant band. I know, yeah. Obviously, that's a talking point for everybody when we came to St Etienne. Googling pictures of uh, Sarah Cracknell. Well, there's worse people to Google. Absolutely, yeah, but uh, anyway, at least I know that better. I think it's 25 years. It's a long time since they were at their peak. Even longer. There's a museum around the corner from where they are, dedicated largely to their 1976 season when they reached the European Cup final and they'd reached the semi-finals the previous year I did a piece on it and I got complaints from Liverpool fans straight away saying why have you not mentioned that we knocked them out of the 77 I, I, didn't, I didn't do it intentionally I just didn't have enough time to write the piece as thoroughly as I would have done yeah. ideally I would have spoke to former players but when you're on the move like we are every day yeah, I mean, it, you don't have that luxury it is one of the iconic images of the 70s St Etienne at Anfield well, obviously they played United at Home Park at Plymouth yeah and, uh, They've just got one of those kits, and I've, I've been up there today at the uh, at the souvenir shop. So I bought, bought my lads a little Saint Etienne top and uh, bought myself a red training top. So uh, not agreeing on the red one. So uh, yeah, it's, it's it's one of those places. They've kind of fallen hard times a bit. They're not. They're, I think they're the most successful club in, in French history in terms of titles, but they're not one of the current superpowers. So they need to get a rich uh, a rich backing on it from Qatar or something. Yeah, finished sixth last season, fifth and fourth in the last few years, and I'm not a man for wearing football shirts but the other day I went on a mission to try and find a green shirt a Le Coq Sportif one I don't know anything from Le Coq Sportif but I really like their old Etienne kit and I just wanted to say Allez Le Vert and I walked around the city centre not only couldn't I find it you couldn't find a Etienne shirt and I thought this is a massive marketing opportunity mm. that's been missed the only place that sells the current kit is their mega store by the ground? Stadium, yeah. So I went in there. Said, "Have you got an Alley Liver? You know the famous slogan for your mm. club. I've got money in my pocket." I said, "Oh no, we're sorry." So I googled it, and Lecoq Le Sportif for selling them on special offer <laughs> for fifteen euros. So I bought one. I'm not sure if I'm going to wear it. No. But I like the idea. They were quite cool, weren't they? It's a bit too bright. I must have been up there today, and it's uh, it's a bit Kermit the Frog bright. Yeah. It's, uh, but yeah, it's. They didn't have many, I think it was like large or extra large or kid sizes were like size age six or so they haven't got the Man United idea of flogging everything as best they can. But the the shells were half half full. It's, I'm thinking, well, you've got a, a town full of Englishmen at the minute that's going to buy all these tops and you know. But they would though seriously. Yeah. The, the English lads have got money in the pocket. And also they're, like, they're all early forties, like early fifties. It's, it's, it's their thing, isn't it? You know, they, it's an iconic. It's like Ajax of the seventies. It's, it's it's one of those iconic images and uh, yeah, it was quite a surprise, but it's. Uh, it is very bright green. Um, enough of St Etienne, although we wouldn't have a problem if Sarah Cracknell wants to come and join us. Uh, what Manchester United fans listening to this want to know is who are United going to sign, on which date, for how much, no ifs or buts, I don't want any margin for error. 
can you tell us this exact piece of information now? And if you don't get every single one of them right, you're a fraud who knows nothing. I'll be held to account on Twitter. You'll be held to account. Yeah, the, yeah, the, You'll be retweeted. Absolutely. You'll yeah. be hammered. I know. It's. Uh, I mean, obviously things have changed with the change of managers, so there'll be different targets. And I do expect Ibrahimovic to arrive after the tournament. I haven't seen him this tournament, I think. I can see the impact it'll make, but I'm not quite sure. He's, uh, he's not the player he was. It's, He's 34 now and he's, he scored a lot of goals in France last year but but then I imagine him too harsh he's playing for a Sweden team that are pretty poor you know so you've got to give the guy credit and long hard season so I, I think when he arrives it'll be a good sign a big impact sign they've already signed Eric apparently Eric, it's Eric Ballet yeah. I say it, so I'm not sure that'll catch on but uh, yeah I'd expect there to be other other deals to be done and I think maybe a couple more before they go on tour because I think, I think Mourinho wants to hit the ground running there'll be a lot of players that aren't around because of the Euros anyway I don't think uh, if they get through to the knockout stages which well, they will do because I, I think the way the formula is that England are through to the knockout stages regardless, it just depends which position they finish the group. Then Rooney and De Gea, sorry, Rooney, um, Chris Smalling and Marcus Rashford probably won't go on tour anyway, so they'll be working with a, a shadow squad, so it's probably a good job he's not going for a long time to the Far East, it's only a week long tour, so it gives him a chance to get to get into people back home. We're both on that tour, so maybe we can join up then and talk about whether the exact targets have been realised or not. What type of player do you think Mourinho is going to go for? Because you and I will speak to people and he goes for a certain style. And, and Eric Ballet is physical. He's younger than maybe the identity uh, Mourinho player. But he's big, he's strong. In March, one of the agents said to me, he'll fill the team with his soldiers. Mm. Guys will win straight away. Well, you look back to the Chelsea team when he came from Porto, f fairly quickly you had Cavallo, you had Michael Essien, you had Didier Drogba, real kind of, you know, real men. And I think the one thing that United lacked last season and the year before was that, that sense of you know, imposing figures in the team. They're a team of nice players, you know, Ander Herrera, Juan Mata, you know, Morgan Snyder's got a bit of presence, but you won't say he's, he's a man, he's a leader of men. And I think, he's disappointed, hasn't he? Yeah, yeah, he just looks a little bit lightweight. And uh, whether that's because Van Hal didn't give him the run of games he deserved. But at the even right for time. France, is No, absolutely. There's a lot of nice players around at the minute. You know, that the whole. Graham Soon used to say about certain players, he's the sort of player that you'd take as, as your son in law, but will you take him as the guy that's going to win your game midfield? Probably not. You want a bit of an animal sometimes, isn't it? The, the, I'm not saying we should send Joey Barton, I'm not, you know, not that sort of animal, but just you need people that will lead from the front, you know, the Vidiches, the Everest, the Rios, and you know, there aren't many of those around anymore, anywhere, but I think that's, that's Mourinho's identity, sign it. he wants a strong spine of tough guys, hard men that will go the extra mile to, to get a result, and even if it means doing the other thing that's not quite right, you know, the, the Pepe kind of player that, that will put his foot in where he shouldn't do it. I think you need a bit of that. I think United need a bit of nastiness back. Mentioned Ibrahimovic. He's a great player. How long he can be a great player for remains to be seen. Given the demands what his agent wants, there's only probably four clubs who could afford to buy him. There's only really United who are looking for that type of player. He's not going to go back to Barcelona. Real Madrid yeah. aren't, aren't going to take him. He's very close to Ancelotti, so yeah. if Bayern Munich... And I have, I have heard whispers that Bayern are interested. Now, I think he's very close to Mourinho, but he's closer to Callum Ancelotti, so that might appeal to him. I'm not sure whether Bayern, it's Bayern's way of doing things. They don't, they don't really need that sort of impact signing for big wages. I think United's need is greater. And it could just be, you know, agents are trying to just 
stir the pot. I mean, I, I think the deal's. I, I think the deal's been done, and it's it's all in place. It's just a case of signing it off. So Rayola has never been shy to come forward and offer his views. No. I did a PSG game last year against Ajax, and in the mix zone, there were players talking to journalists on the other side of the barrier, and there was Ibrahimovic's agent, and it seemed that he had a run of the place. Yeah. And he was holding court for a good 35 minutes in different languages. And it was like PSG was his personal fight. Yeah. I mean, he obviously been gifted so much power there. And I know that pissed off Cavani, yeah. who was a very good player himself. But he's got the, he's got the personality yeah. to come to Old Trafford. The stage is big enough for him. Yeah. It fits with Woodward's, this guy's going to sell shirts. When he came to Barcelona... I know a, a man who runs a, an agency selling tickets and his business went up 40-50% with Scandinavians right. coming over to, to watch Ibra, especially Swedes. And United have got a big Scandinavian following, but it's predominantly Norwegian. Yeah, well, I mean, I was in Paris for the Sweden Republic of Ireland game, and I was absolutely amazed by how many Sweden fans were there. And I just made the point of saying, that, you know, this is incredible. And somebody said, well, actually, when he played uh, England in Kiev in... 2012. There were more Swedes in the ground than England fans. I've never, I've never seen England that number that are making tour not in Europe anyway. So the Swedes have got, they've got a lot of money to spend as well. So it takes all the boxes for Ed. But just on the Raiola thing, I think that is an interesting one. And that we all know the involvement that United had in the past with Raiola with Pogba back in what, 20, 2012, maybe 2013. You know, the, the time flies by. Obviously, Sir Alex Ferguson wasn't a, wasn't a fan of, of Raiola's, but I do wonder whether bringing Ibrahimovic to United and getting Raiola involved. It's almost like a foot in the door for Pogba. I, I, you know, they've never lost the interest in bringing Pogba back. I think last year it was it was highly unlikely because he was in charge at United and his desire to play in Spain. But I don't think Barcelona can make a move from this summer because of their financial situation with the wage bill they've got. Real Madrid are kind of seem to be tentatively looking around. But you know, if Pogba's going to go anywhere this summer, and Man City have pulled out and running already, which is kind of significant because it suggests that they know he's going somewhere else. If you've just kind of brought the, the, his agent on board with Ibrahimovic, is that is that a means to an end? You know, is Ibrahimovic a means to an end in terms of getting Paul Pogba back? I, I don't know. I mean, but he would tick the box of a, an imposing figure that Mourinho. You know, I'm not saying he's a, a Michael Essien type. He's a powerful midfielder that Mourinho yeah. likes, and we shall see on that one. I, I was in Turin a couple of weeks ago, and I spoke to, to people there. The players are firmly under the impression that he's staying. And officials are not under the same impression. Yeah. And that's the message coming out of the same club. And one just said Madrid. Yeah. And yeah, the players thinking we want to make a we want to win the European Cup next year. So there's, there's, yeah, yeah. So there's, there's 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 different versions of the truth, as as there often is in yeah. in these situations. And, and money can. I mean, change people, the I think I think people underestimate how big a club Juventus are and yeah. and, and the the clout they have and. We can pay big wages. We can guarantee, pretty much guarantee silverware every year for Pogba. But Serie A is not the league it was, and it's not it's not the box office league it was. And obviously La Liga, the Premier League, are where it's at. I've been I've been told that he doesn't particularly have a great desire to go back to Manchester. I think yeah, he, I've been told I, that. I think he got if London was an option, yeah. I think he got to Chelsea. But yeah. money talks, doesn't yeah. it? And yeah. Man United can talk louder than anybody at the minute. But he's playing in a far better team, who could make a, a good charge at winning the title again in Italy. Mm. Semi-finals, maybe even the final of the Champions League. Maybe you know they got to the final last yeah. year. Maybe they could get a bit of luck. I, th- I just think Paul Pogba wants to be the global star that yeah. he could become. He has to get out of Italy because 
Italian football doesn't no, I agree. offer the stage or the platform for that. And, and English clubs could absolutely blitz them out of the water when yeah. it comes to what they can pay. Yeah. They can't just match them anymore. They can do to Italian teams what Italian teams did to English teams mm. when they signed David Platt and, absolutely, yeah. and Luther, Luther Blissett. Yeah, yeah, Paul Lynch, even yeah. Back the, yeah. And, but the thing with, with Pogba is interesting. I, I don't think, let's say, United is the top of his list at the minute, but he's, he's still very close to like Jesse Lingard at United. You know, he grew up with these kids and they keep in touch and... Uh, you know that might have a, that might have a part to play in it. I think it's I think it's an unlikely deal to, to happen. But I, I don't think it's when you can rule out, especially with the, the involvement of Raiola. He, he is close. I did a piece the other day where I spoke to the headmaster of Ashton on Mersey School, um, the former headmaster who recently retired, and his daughter's going out with uh, Michele Fornessier, mm-hmm. the former United lad who's now at Pescara, going back into Serie A and. He was over there a couple of weeks ago and Pogba rang him, Pogba's mates with him yeah. and Pogba is mates with some of the lads who he spent his formative years with. Yeah. Well, that's that's pretty t- to be expected, isn't it? Yeah. So that, that's, a, that's a good thing. But I've watched him monster matches. I watched him um, against Verona in January and it, it, it was like when you're 13 and there's a, there's a boy man mm. on the other team who's just so much stronger than everybody else. And I've seen him in other games where I thought... You're not having the impact on a match like Ronaldo or Messi would. Yeah, but then he's not a type of player. Maybe, maybe that's when he needs to leave Serie A. Yeah, he needs a challenge. He's probably too comfortable there. And it's, there's no real challenge for Juventus in Italy at the minute. I think that's. And if you're going to make yourself a better player, you've got to challenge yourself. You've got to go up against the best midfielders in the world. And you've certainly got the capability. But you're right. Even in this tournament, Euro 2016, you know, he's it, it, not really grabbed it by the scruff of the net just yet. And he, you know, he's, he's France's main guy. So, along with a couple of others, so. Who knows? Maybe he needs that challenge now to raise his game a little bit. Look at that, John Stones are the same, you know, at Everton. You know, they get to a point where, to full of development, they have to move on. And, you know, maybe I think he'd probably head into City to be honest, but he's another one that United were very keen on certainly six months ago. Some readers' questions. Mark, do people who are obsessed by speculative transfer stories need professional help? <laughs> yeah, but I think I, I think we all get excited by. The start pre-season tours for me are when you see the new sign is the new kit. You know, I've been in the States for the last couple of years and people are getting up at three or six or three in the morning to watch United you know, VLA Galaxy. It, it, it's an exciting time of the year. To, so I don't think it's it's a bad thing. I think it, it shows it's part of the passion of the game. The modern age is that in modern, you know, because of Twitter and Facebook and all this, you can get you can't go five minutes that a new player being linked and it's it's kind of sorting the the good ones out for the bad ones and you know ninety nine percent of them are bum steers but it makes it more difficult for people like me who have to kind of spend time waste time checking these out and none of us are, are flawless you know we all get get them wrong and some get to get them what's right. the best one you've got wrong the best one I've got wrong Christ I don't know how many do you pick from I can't think of one obvious one at the minute let me th- there's been uh, there's been a few I mean, or, I remember or was it wrong at, right at the time and turned yeah, out Yeah, I mean, this wrong. is the thing. You get like, a lot of that, don't you, where yeah. there's definite interest yeah. and you write it. The one, one that springs to mind is Sammy Nasri. Right? I mean, yeah. Back in, what was it, 20, it was 2011 when he went to City, wasn't it? Yeah. United were absolutely banged on for Sammy Nasri. They were so close to doing the deal, you know. That people were telling people at certain golf days, oh, it's done. And he, I'd heard that he actually phoned Fergie and said, don't worry, mate. Don't, sorry, don't worry, boss. He actually called him boss. Don't worry about it. And then... City got involved, but prior to that, City were ta- City were in for Alexis Sanchez at the time. Yeah, from Udinese, and they were saying yeah. that it's Sanchez all the way. And then, and Barcelona came in, signed Sanchez, and, and at the time, 
City was saying, oh, no, Nasri's not, you know, second or third in the list, but, you know, Sanchez went, went to Barcelona, somebody else went somewhere else. All of a sudden, Nasri's their top target. So we'd been writing for weeks that United were going to sign Sammy and Nasri because he'd been calling Fergie boss. Then City come in, and uh, at that time, City were prepared to do whatever it took to get a player, and uh, he went to Man City. So we were wrong by saying United were going to sign Sammy and Nasri. We were right at the time because they were interested, and it's, uh, it's one of those things. I found something out this year about that summer of 2011 where a couple of people were doubly pissed off because... Wesley Snyder? No, no. Well, well, maybe he was, but just, you know, off hard evidence that, that I know was that Alexis Sanchez, United definitely wanted him, so did City, so did Barca. And his choice was Barca, United, City, in that order. And if he'd gone to United, Barca instead... We're going to go for Giuseppe Rossi. <laughs> and when that didn't happen, yeah. someone lost out on two different yeah. moves. The sliding doors thing, that isn't it? Yeah. 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 It's, uh... And there were people with a vested interest in, in more than one one of the deals. There. I mean, the, the Snyder one was a classic because, again, that, it was that summer. It was a bit of a heavy duty summer that we were in the, was. In the stage for three weeks. I remember? You know, you know, to be banging for him, and they just, it, you know, then when we got, we all landed in Seattle one day. We all had messages from the club saying. David Gill wants to point out there was not, no interest in Snyder. Completely contradicted everything we've been told, you know. And it was just like, well, hang on a minute, we all know this is taught. No, no, there's no interest, absolutely no interest. And then uh, remember Bob Cass falling foul of yeah, in Washington. Yeah, I remember that, yeah. Having written that uh, a senior source <laughs> who had been quoted as Sir Alex in the first edition of the Mail on Sunday <laughs> had said there's a, there's a contract off on the table for Snyder. Fergie went ballistic, fell out with Bob for a while. And the Snyder thing never happened, but. I did an interview with Edwin van der Sar about a year later, after he'd finished. I was in Amsterdam. And I said, well, what happened with, uh, with Schneider? We were told by United it wasn't happening. He you know, basically said, oh, there's a deal. It, it, what happened was, it would have cost Schneider so much money in tax to leave Italy into Milan that it just, United couldn't bridge the gap. So, yes, they were doing anything, they were talking, but Inter were paying him so much money and the tax would have killed him. That's why I went to Galatasaray, because money in Turkey is ludicrous and the cut corners to make these deals happen so you know so that's another one that United were waiting for Schneider you won't be able to cut corners if they get into the EU will they with the stringent I think, I think that's a while away I think uh, <laughs> the, way, the way things are going we might not be in the EU with them I know God forbid probably best that this podcast doesn't venture into, mm. the, into that area although we did a poll on United We Stand and I was surprised that 70% saying they wish to remain yeah. um, in, in Europe and um, second question knowing what you know now would you have taken the independent job and by that I think the reader means that the independent stopped publishing in print as a newspaper yeah I mean it's like that old Kevin Keegan quote isn't it it wasn't what it said in the brochure and uh, I think it was about six seven weeks after I started the job that it happened but I took the job because as much as I enjoyed doing Manchester for the Telegraph I just felt it was becoming a little bit um, repetitive same story, same years, and, and the football was getting worse to watch as well. But both Definitely, clubs. Yeah. So uh, it was a chance to be a number one chief football correspondent and national title. So that was a, the, the, challenge, the right challenge at the right time. And I don't regret taking it at all. I mean, obviously, I'm sad to see the paper to go, but I have no regrets whatsoever. Um, I think the other week when uh, we did the story about Van Hal's management style and how 
a certain players couldn't boil an egg. But, but it was you know, the kind of inside story of Van Hal's um, reign at United, his reign of terror. Um, it absolutely smashed the indie website. I mean, I think the first day it did 200,000 page impression. I think you know, by the end of the week it was 300,000. And that for the independent is, is massive. And I was speaking to uh, one of the senior guys at the papers. He rang up to say, well, we can't believe how well this is done. It's, it's really stupid. People are slapping it. Oh, what else can he offer us? And he started to finish along every yeah. few months. Yeah. But he said, I said, so how is it going? And he said, well, since the paper closed, we've dropped 100 stories a day on the website. So there's 100 fewer stories a day going on the website. But despite that, the numbers of readers going up. So they, they find that less is more. So despite getting rid of a lot of stuff, they're getting more people to the website. So in that respect, it's working. And it's it's a successful venture. Now, how know, do you monetize that though? Because it's not in the bigger picture. You've got Google and Facebook hoovering up advertising revenues. Yeah. It's all right saying you've got 50 zillion hits if you're not backing it up with advertising revenues. And there's been a huge fall in the last year. Yeah, yeah. Well, there's, there's various things. I mean, they're really keen on video now. So, you know, me and Ian Herbert over here is the people who know from doing United stuff in the past, chief sports correspondent of the paper. We do videos over here, and videos, when I was at the Telegraph, they told me, videos attract five times more in terms of advertising revenue. So, you know, even if it's videos of me talking shite about England, or... Maybe we should be filming this. Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, you can get, get the clickbait for that. Um, but but you, you might use the word clickbait. It's depressing, isn't it? Yeah. How, how you're seeing that there's some pretty respected titles that are going down the clickbait route. Yeah, absolutely. And it's horrible to see. Yeah. But the, 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 from my point of view, the good thing about it is neither me nor Ian have been asked to do that sort of stuff. We, I had less concerns about it. I've been mean, at the Telegraph. I'd seen, I'd seen this whole process before and seen how it works. And uh, I, I know what works, and what works is kind of good, informed stories, transfer stories, even better if they're right, um, but just kind of knowledge, so what they want from me is that sort of thing, I try my best to provide it, sometimes you can't, but they're not asking me to do, you know, monkey falls out of a tree at Carrington or anything like that, so, um, or United are signing Messi tomorrow, yeah, or Ronaldo seen walking down Deansgate, which I think some papers have done in the past, um, so they just leave us to do what we've done in the past, and their view is that more people come to that if it's good and if it's worth reading. So, but the good thing is, the guys in the office, some of the guys in the office, will will do the the kind of transfer gossip, the, the trawling around because it's a, by them doing that, it means that me and the other guys can do what we want to do, what, what we're employed to do. So, well, you'd be a proper journalist by speaking to people yeah. and building up contacts. Yeah. So there's no so that yeah. they're going to give you actual news so that you can write those Van Aar pieces. Yeah. So but no, you can't do them every day. Absolutely, yeah. And I don't think they expect that anyway. But, no. it, but there's no pressure on us to, you know, if, if, if the wheels aren't turned on the website one morning, can you just come up with a Man United flyer? And they never do that. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, it's I don't regret it at all. You know, it's, it, was a, it was a step up in me career-wise and, you know, profile-wise. Um, I, just, I did kind of get dragged back into Manchester quite a lot in the second half of last season, thanks to uh, Arthur and Lewis and the team, which went performed very well. Yeah, well, the team got dragged back as well, mm. metaphorically as well. As... Do you feel like a war correspondent is the next question when following the national team and its fans at the tournament? I did in Marseille last week. Well, we spoke about two hours before it kicked off. Yeah, I know, we? yeah, I know. I think we could both smell something in the air, but it, it wasn't uh, it wasn't Russian <laughs> machismo or anything like that. Um, no, I'll, I'll be honest, when, when I took the job, the one part of the job that really didn't appeal was England. 
I wanted to be the guy that did the big Champions League games, the big games at the weekend. I wanted to go after Chelsea. I wanted to go to Champions League finals. Like that's, I wanted to do all that, and that's what the, the big appeal was. I wanted to be able to do the Carlo Ancelotti interviews and that all, that kind of thing. Yeah. England was like, listen, it's, 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 you can't do the job without doing England. And <laughs> the hub, you know, it is last week we Wales. Wales put up Gareth Bale and Aaron Ramsey to the national press two biggest names two best talkers at the, England we were given Ryan Bertram and Adam Lallana and it was like you said nothing yeah but even if we're the best one in the world Ryan Bertram hasn't played what can you ask Ryan Bertram that would make any fan take notice you know with respect to Ryan Bertram he's not played a game Adam Lallana he's a nice guy nice little footballer but, but, nice son-in-law yeah exactly yeah but and it's hard, and that's the problem with England sometimes. It really is a step down from doing Man United, Man City, Chelsea in terms of quality of players and personalities. But it commands so much more coverage because there's nothing else going on. You know, it feels a bit like covering West Brom in the Premier League, but having to write five pieces there in West Brom. No offense to Johnny Evans, who's a great lad, by the way. But it's uh, but the war correspondent thing. Yeah, I mean, I've done a lot of Republic of Ireland in the past at tournaments, and they're absolutely brilliant. The Irish fans are superb. England fans, it's just, it's just a different mentality. But to be fair to them all, we've, we've been walking through St Etienne today. There's no sense of any trouble. It's a, it's a no, really it's a good, great atmosphere. It's a good natured group, and I, it's a different group that was in Marseille. I just think there's a different. I, I don't know what it is. I mean, somebody more intelligent than me will say, but it just feels like this kind of invasion culture, the empire culture of English and British lingers with England football fans, and they go to places like France, Belgium, Holland, thinking we've conquered it before, we'll do it again. I don't know. It's so there's depressing. a group of six middle class boys from Daventry. Yeah. With their flag with a spitfire on it. So yeah, it's not, it's not, it's not the most pleasant thing sometimes to get on the plane full of England fans from those places from. But it's part of the job and Marseille was bad. But the England fans weren't blameless by any means, but the Russians were certainly the ones that... I mean, that was horrendous what happened in the stadium. Yeah. It was and the England fans... Fled on foot. They, were, they weren't. They weren't having. They weren't standing there fighting the fans. They, they actually legged it, and quite right too, because the Russians were absolutely scary. The, the Russians were the main perpetrators. I was in the old port in Marseille. There were other contributory factors. The, the the French police, the local scropes, the Marseille yeah. ultras, and England fans as well, who who started drinking a lot of them at 9 a.m. Yeah. And by mid afternoon, were absolutely steaming. And I sat in a section of Russian fans. And they knew I was English, and they were fine with me, they were polite with me. And ten minutes before the kickoff, you had these English lads coming in, absolutely bladdered, obnoxious, yeah. and not even realising that they were steaming as they tried to get to the wrong seat. And that does not create a good environment, nor does booing the national anthem. No, that's a, that's Again, you don't, you don't deserve to be beaten up for that. No. By some stereo um, steadhead from St Petersburg yeah. with a gum shield, but it doesn't help. No, they're not, they're not good tourists. I mean, that, that's the thing. They don't, they don't travel to these cities and uh, immerse themselves. And I'm not saying they should go to the nearest art gallery rather than the Irish bar because that's, you know, there's nothing wrong with going to an Irish bar in a foreign city, but they're just not good tourists. But, you know, again, I'll, I'll defend the fans here. When I went to Lons for the, the Wales game last week, I was dreading that. I was thinking, oh, here we go again, it's going to be absolute carnage. And that was something that happened that I'd never seen before. Both anthems at an England game were respected, and, after, and both anthems were applauded by the rival. England fans were applauding the Welsh national anthem and vice versa. Like, Am I seeing things here? Now, obviously, there was this kind of kind of unholy alliance in Lille the night before with the Russians attacking both sets of fans. And whether that had something to do with it, I don't know. But 
it was like I'm an England game, the, the anthem's being respected and the plot was going on there, but it was nice and it was more the same. I, it's, it's weird because I, I, I had to listen to the Radio 4 last night and they were asking about football's kind of how football can influence the referendum. And without getting too bogged down in the kind of politics of it, I made the point that when they travel away with United or Liverpool, you get a sense that the fans see themselves as European, as representing, being proud to go abroad and find Am- the nearest, ambassadors. Yeah, find the nearest tap bar, find, just explore a bit and, and you know be, be good tourists. They are and they are good tourists, especially to the lesser games. A problem with United yeah. and Liverpool, if you're playing in Lons, which is easy to get yeah. to, you get every knobhead coming. Yeah. If you're playing in Istanbul away, yeah. People know that if you act up, you go out of jail or you're going to get yeah. filled in. And then that's developed yeah, over time. Yeah, I think it's experienced and they've been yeah. around for a few years. And I just think of the England crew, this is not a great revelation, but you see where the flags are from Scunthorpe, Yeovil. K- kids who support those teams never get a European touch. So this is the one chance to watch the football team abroad. And, and it might be the only time they go, so they don't have that kind of longevity and, and experience of Europe that United fans, Liverpool fans have. And They're not being banned from the next tournament. No, yeah, absolutely. So it's, it's definitely United fans get it a bit more. We're just going to wrap up part one here because we're going to split it into two, two episodes of half an hour each. And we'll have the second part of Mark's podcast next week. We're going to try and do a couple over the summer before they resume properly when we go on the pre-season tour to China in mid-July. Um, the Summer United We Stand is out. We've had loads of feedback from people who've bought it and loads of you have bought it as well. You can buy single issues of this one. It's the only one each season where we allow people to buy single issues. We don't normally do it because just massive administration involved, but you can do it via our website or you can download the digital edition of the United We Stand. There's a Wayne Rooney interview in there. There's loads of stuff in there. It's our biggest ever issue. And until the next podcast next week with Mark, goodbye.